episode 157, OrthoLive Telehealth Platform. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trostler, and today we're Dr. Michael Grive's Perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards-nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Well, I know recently we've been discussing telehealth, telemedicine. How can it work for a neurosurgeon? How can it work for just the everyday doctor, chiropractor, physical therapist? And you heard us mention another product in the past, but today we're actually going to talk about Ortho Live and Spring Health Live. Pretty much the main differences: one is built for more like musculoskeletal people, and the other one is for the other type of professionals. But uh, it, it's a HIPAA-compliant Skype or Zoom uh, with a waiting room and all these cool features that would make it ideal if you're going to do telehealth and you want to do it in a uh, very appropriate way, send files, all kinds of things. So we'll just dive deep into this. We'll also hear about orthopedic shoulder surgery and the training and collaborations with PTs and chiros and those types of things. So um, really informative. Yes, it may seem like a sales pitch, but I'm not sponsored by that company, Ortho Live. But this episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. They've been producing quality vitamins and supplements and foods for over 50 years. Over 20,000 wellness products, many, are crafted in the United States of America. And they uh, have a strict quality standard called the Swanson Quality Code. It's products that I've personally used on and off during my chiropractic career. So we're happy to have them on. And if you want to try any Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code DOCTORS20, D-O-C-T-O-R-S-2-0, for 20% off at Swanson.com. Yeah, 20% off Swanson.com. Okay, let's jump right into the show. All the show notes and the transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 157. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany in Cincinnati, Ohio. Today on the show, we got a new thing. It's telehealth. We all had telehealth before. We've heard about it. There's a buzzword with COVID-19 going on, but this guy's been doing it before that. And uh, we just want to learn more about his company called OrthoLive and Spring Health Live. We'll learn out the difference between those two. But please welcome orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Michael Greeway. Hey, thanks very much, Justin. Appreciate it. Thanks. Glad to be here. I think this is going to be more of a nuts and potatoes type of uh, interview than, than, you know, why do you want to become an orthopedic surgeon and all that type of stuff. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But, I like that. But it's unusual because you expect ortho, neuro. We had a neuro guy just the other a couple of weeks ago, and he's starting to do some virtual stuff. And I was like, what? Yeah. So now I have at least a basis of how you could do it. But what made you think from the get-go, like, maybe I should do virtual consultations or post-op follow-up or like what is it that you use it for why'd you develop it thanks yeah you know um the the main thing was i i live in kind of northern kentucky right up right outside of cincinnati so, you know about five miles south of cincinnati but you know my reach of patients goes well down into uh, kind of rural kentucky and so a lot of my patients were traveling like a good way it would be like a three four hour drive to come see me and you know a lot of it was just inconvenient for them uh, many years ago, I thought, you know, there's a better way. And telemedicine had sort of been around, but nobody was really using it inside of ortho. And mm-hmm. so I, I started looking around and trying to find a good platform. And just, I could never find anything that was like efficient for me as a surgeon um, and as a physician. And I know you probably would feel the same way, but it's, it's just hard to like find something that allows you to see patients and makes it easy for the patients to get in and, and be seen too. 
And it was a big struggle back in 2015. So I went out and just decided to build the platform myself and, um, you know, work with some of my partners. And we got, we got Ortho Live off the ground and then subsequently got Spring Health Live going. That was kind of the impetus for developing it, but I've loved it ever since. It's been great. And uh, there's, there's a lot of cool opportunities to use it. But usually I use Skype. We're on Zoom. What is the point of not just using these? I mean, point your camera at that, whatever. Like, why can't we just use this? Well, you know, I mean, there's this thing called HIPAA. And, um, you know, in, in the U.S., um, it is a big deal. Like, you know, it's patient privacy um, and all that. And a lot of surgeons and, and physicians, um, you know, healthcare providers, we don't like to, you know, talk about HIPAA because it's kind of a pain in the rear end, but it's really a good thing for patients. It comes down to patient privacy. And so, you know, ultimately it's about like keeping patients secure, keeping their data secure, making sure that, you know, everything is done in a way that's encrypted, um, both, you know, on the one side where you and I are talking, but then also as it's zipping across the internet and, and then wherever it lives, you know, at the end. So having all well, that- That's the big important. thing. Yeah. Is exactly. the fact that technically yeah. somebody could find out that Bobby Joe had a surgery and Bobby Joe was like upset about it. But yeah. now that it's encrypted, just like our cloud software, just like some emails and our passcodes for our banks on our phones, it's just, it's encrypted. So it's harder for somebody to just hack in. I mean, yeah. And they could get their health information. Sometimes, you know, there's uh, some platforms, not ours, but you know, some platforms have credit card information, insurance information, all this, you know, private stuff that you just don't want to have people have access to. So, so we built the platform in a way that like no one could hack into. It was um, secure. Uh, you know, it's 256 bit encrypted, all, all the things that, you know, you would need to make it really, really good for, for patients and, and for their security. So that was like all a right. main, main impetus. And that's why you don't use this Skype and Zoom and all that stuff. So all those doctors out there that are about to roll their eyes with this HIPAA stuff, we're moving on. Yeah. We, we, we covered it. Okay, we covered it. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. We did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we have a patient sign in sheet? I don't I know. know. My gosh. This paperwork, as you know, is just unbelievable. But <laughs> I just mocked yeah. some people, but you know, I just I'm so sick of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is just, you know, it's the world we live in. I feel like the last like forty years just the paperwork just continues to mount and it's like, it, it yeah. is what it is. We we have to deal with it, but you know, the the more we can streamline it, the better, you know? Indeed. So are patients open to this virtual office situation? Like if I think my blood pressure is high, I got a machine at my house, I've given 10 readings over the last 10 days. Can I present that to the doctor and be like, hey, yeah. this is a I, natural setting, way better absolutely. than at your office. It's better. It's better. You know, I mean, if you can do things inside your home, it's way better. Patients love being at their home. I mean, I've seen patients kicked back on the couch, reclining. I mean, they are in their element and it's good. It's good for them. People get nervous. They get stressed out when they go to the doctor's office. They got to wait for an hour. And, you know, with telemedicine, you know, most doctors are pretty much on time with it, uh, which is great for the patient and for the, the doctor. And then it's, uh, it's just that convenience. I think they really do like it. And, you know, there's some things that you, you want to go in and see your doctor for, you know, obviously, but but there are certain things also that, you know, it's just a routine checkup. It's a, you know, a check on an incision or a wound or who knows what, um, your blood pressure, your diabetes, you know, making sure like, Hey, I've got, I've taken my blood sugar and it's, you know, sky, you know, it's up through the roof. What do I need to do? You know, those are good, good telemedicine calls. Ah, okay. Cause I was going to say, obviously you think you tore your knee. <laughs> I think my yeah. ACL is broken. Well, right. you might need to come in for that, but yeah. the pre-op you know, visit, the post-op visit. 
Absolutely. I mean, and there's things like, I mean, with ortho, people are like, you're crazy. What are you doing? You know, you should never do telemedicine for orthopedics. And I was like, no, that's, that's not true. Because once I make the diagnosis, I mean, it, it is what it is. Then, then it's a matter of getting the MRI and then getting the follow-up for the MRI. And then, you know, if you have a surgery and you live two hours away, I'd like to look at your incision. If I'm worried about it, I'll have you come back in. But if it's not too bad, we'll, um, we'll move on and, and, you know, we'll, we'll just go to the next visit. So, I think there's a lot of benefits and people just don't, the diagnosis is so critical. Uh, sometimes you do have to come in for that. But right. as you know, you know, the history is a lot of, a lot of it too. Like I could tell you 99 times out of a hundred, probably if somebody tore their ACL just by what happened to them on the field, you know, yeah. I was running, I cut and then felt a pop. And the Dr. Rest Michael, why don't you just stand up and do this for me real quick? Oh, you can't do it, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. You I just saved you four hours, but you still need to figure out what we're going to do about your ACL. Yeah. That's exactly. great though that you're even saying, hey man, you can even do an initial consultation where you can just talk first and be like, all right, look, where do you live? Yeah, that's four hours away. Right. You do need to come in though, unfortunately. And yeah. Or, or like, let's get an MRI. Um, let's have you review that. And then if you need to come in, like you need a surgery or you need, you know, whatever. But I can tell you a lot about what's going on just by, based on the history, you know, but I'm not saying every diagnosis needs to be treated that way. I mean, right. don't get me wrong, but I mean, there's a lot that you can really do with telemedicine. And it's, and it's a great, it's a great tool for us. I think it just, it helps the patient, helps the provider a lot. How long, how long would a visit last? I mean, how, oh, how fast I, are we scheduling? I mean, it's probably the average telemedicine visit is about seven minutes long based on what I've, what I've seen. You know, the average in-person visit is about like 10 minutes. Um, but, you know, Plus two hours in the waiting room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in my office, it's it's like at least an hour. So nobody really, but they love telemedicine. They're like, hey, doc, you're on time. Finally. Yeah, or five minutes late. So, yeah. okay, it's five minutes, whatever. Good work. You did it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and it's weird because people don't like, you know, if they're virtual. They don't like waiting more than like two or three minutes. Like, hey, is something wrong? You know, and no, no, we'll be there in you know a couple of minutes. But, um, you know, it's people are used to waiting, unfortunately, a long time in the doctor's office it's terrible the way it is right now. I mean, a lot of physicians have such long, you know, waits and there's too many people just trying to get in. You, you know how it is, you know? Yeah. So well, when you're with your program, do you have a virtual waiting room where people like I was waiting a couple minutes on zoom and then you kind of logged in and I'm like, Oh, right, here we go. Yep. But, uh, so there's like a waiting room and you can like send a message. Hey, uh, patient's long winded. I'll uh, be with you in a couple minutes. <laughs> Obviously, you wouldn't write that, but I mean, yeah. I'll be five well, minutes late. Sorry. We have, I mean, it's cool. It's just basically like the platform. You, you basically look as the doctor, you're looking on your screen and you just see like boom, boom, boom. You got all these patients. You know, it's just like your normal. Like, do you have an EHR that you use, Justin? Mm -hmm. You know, like, so you, you look at like patient number one and then patient number two, you go down the list and basically you just have all of these appointments and you know you, you'll go down the list you'll see um, a green flashing light when somebody's in there so you know okay like this person's in there they're ready to be seen and you you click on uh, just one button and so it's like a one-click entry for the provider they're wow. going they just keep going to the next one and the next one and so it's just like you would go through your normal day so there's you know it's it's nice because you just you're in like a line can you send yourself a message send sally these exercises are these video or whatever, and you can just send it through the platform yeah. or do you? hundred percent. Yeah. So what we can do is like, you can upload any document uh, into our chat. So like we have a little chat. So you, you upload exercises, you can upload like a YouTube video, you could any link, um, a word document, PDF, Excel file, <laughs> you, you name it, you could send it to the, the patient. They get it on their smartphone. Again, it's encrypted. They just log in, tap on the message and it comes right up and they can see it. 
you know, they can also do it on the web too. So they can get it via uh, the web. So there's, there's like multiple ways people can get in. It's, it's really kind of a, it's a nice thing for patients too, because um, normally they just have a piece of paper, which get lost, but if it's on their phone, they're, they're not going to lose it. Right. Let's research so, it later. Well, that yeah, sounds great yeah. because if you're a smart doctor with marketing a little bit, and I think we've, our mutual connection was the insight marketing, Jennifer right. Thompson. So yep, exactly. we already care about these things and I've plen- plenty of episodes on this stuff. But anyway, the point is, you can have the, your articles, your exercises, your videos on certain landing pages. And that way, now you've got this site that Google's like, hey, people keep hitting this yeah. page. It must be important. They're spending a lot of time embedded on videos. Right. And so now you're, you're ranking higher because you have an engaged page. Instead of possibly just emailing a bunch of articles, you can set it up differently to where you can help yourself as well. It's- yeah. I mean, that's a great way to do it. And it's um, more you work, know, but I have, yeah, I mean, I haven't done that in my own practice, but like with ortho live our, our, you know, our site, like we have a lot of videos and education that people will go to. So I think it does help with the education piece. Like if you were a physician and you had your own content and you could kind of direct people to that content, you're going to be like, you know, even more sought after because people will Google you and they'll find you and, and you're just going to continue to you know, raise your, your name on like the rankings and things. So I think that's a, that's a really great point. I hadn't really thought about it too much that way, but I think for physicians and chiropractors, physical therapists, you know, out there that are using telemedicine, it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So as a chiropractor, I don't do prescriptions. I mean, I could, I guess give some supplements or whatnot, but uh, let's be honest prescriptions. Yeah. Y'all got a whole lot of red tape with that, especially with opioids and everything. Uh, so yeah. How does that play out? Well, it's a great point. I mean, I was asked on, on the news the other day about opioids and like, and I had a patient that I was interviewing and then, you know, the next question was like, well, what do you do? Like he said he had more pain. Were you going to prescribe opioids for him? And I was like, no, you know, like we, I think you still have to adhere to whatever standards you have um, in your office. And so, I mean, it could be a really challenging uh, and, you know, sticky wicket, you know, this, this opioid, especially over telemedicine, right? I mean, somebody could say, you know, I'm having all kinds of pain and you really have no way of fully verifying it and, you know, knowing for sure. So I've just been really careful about it. Ortho Live, when we, you know, see a patient, like we will not prescribe any opioids. There probably are some telemedicine vendors that, that feel comfortable with it. And I guess if you've got a patient that's been your patient for a long time and you know them really well, then maybe it makes more sense. But you got to be so careful with opioids. It's, it's been such a, like, I live in Northern Kentucky and that, that whole area has just been, it's been horrible. So many sad stories and just uh, lives ruined. But they can do others. They can do normal things, blood pressure, diabetes, oh, yeah. thyroids, yeah. birth control. I mean, regular medications, I think is great because- like you said earlier, I mean, they're testing like at home. So a lot of times they'll have the, the values for their diabetes or blood pressure. And they know like I've not been doing well or, you know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on schedule or maybe I'm, I'm hypotensive now. I was taking, so okay, we need to back you off on your medications. That, that a lot of times causes falls and things like that. I see patients for when they get dizzy. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, we can, we can still prescribe. We can do all that stuff. But I've been really careful about the opioid stuff. And yeah, any real good. like schedule three stuff, you just be real careful about, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that seems like that's the new protocols now anyway. Just, hey, maybe not yeah. prescribe it first. There's a whole <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's these think? disciplines about musculoskeletal conditions and mental health <laughs> that could probably help. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, we, we need protocols right now. That's the one thing. It's like, I mean, this is all new territory. I mean, nobody knows exactly what, what the right thing is. And, and, you know, new guidelines are being made right now with everything. So it's, it's really, it's interesting. It's, it's cool. It's a new frontier. 
Well, it's got to be tough too for, I think, your profession. You got every, every PT, every chiro being like, hey, man, it'd be great if Dr. Mike would send us some referrals. And you're like, ah, I don't know. This guy was nice. This person was nice. Like, they seem to yeah. get all good results. I don't really know exactly who I should for what condition. Yeah. And that's a lot of extra work to yeah. figure out. Like, no, these are the people that are for knees. This is a shoulder guy. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, because you're outside of your community. So when you're doing telemedicine, I think that's part of your point is like, you know, you basically have the entire country. Like I could be the way the laws are set up now. I can practice across state lines. I can do True. consults for any, I could be consulting in Hawaii. And I don't know who the right chiropractor is in Hawaii. You know, like who do I send them to when they've got a neck issue or whatever, and they need some, some therapy and some improvement. Uh, finding out like who the experts are, who the people that you would trust in a certain area is really hard if you're treating, you know, people that are, that are far away. Uh, yeah. You know your local area really well. And so you know who patients like and, you know, who to refer to. But it, it does open up a little bit of a, um, you know, more challenging thing. Like, you don't know, like in, um, you know, New York, who's, who's the right physical therapist I should send this patient to, that, you know, MPFL tear or whatever, like, you know, kneecap right. dislocation. So I, that does make it hard. I, I, th- I agree. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk dollar and cents here. Yeah. Can I charge the same amount for a telehealth visit? Yeah, that's what's crazy. I mean, what? that is, I mean, seriously. There's no writer at all? No, no whatever they call it, modifier? No, exactly, yeah. It's the exact same as an in-office visit. And that was the big issue why telemedicine wasn't taken off in the past. You yeah, it was cash in or most, Right, you have to pay cash or like some states, there was actually some decent uh, laws. And so you could in certain states. So actually Kentucky was a good state. So I was good to go even back in 2015. But uh, what happened is like other states started coming on board and you had about 38 states where there was parity laws, but not all of them allowed for parity inside of um, Medicare, for instance. Well, let me take that back. So not all of them allowed for parity inside of commercial insurance. There were certain commercial insurance that was you know, full parity, some that weren't. Medicare, you had to be in like a rural service location. Yeah. So for all the older patients, it was really hard. You know, uh, they, they couldn't really do telemedicine because nobody wanted to, you know, they, they serve like, you know, 15 people in a rural area. They were, you know, they didn't know who to do telemedicine with. So it just really stymied the telemedicine growth. And uh, now, I mean, yeah, you get basically the same amount as an in-office visit. Obviously, you got to document they did the right things and, and, and everything with your physical exam and medical decision-making, all the documentation and all that. Because they still stuff. have to fill out online forms with the classic past history and all that crap that gets you to check in those boxes for an exam. For a new patient, yeah, you would um, you would need to like ask them questions about their past medical history, allergies, you know, social history, all the things to be able to check those bullet points. Right. Um, and then... <laughs> Yeah, and that's really what it is. I have as a chiropractor. You got any allergies? You had any past <laughs> surgery? <laughs> like, yeah, it's okay. Mean, okay. Have you done any? Have you have you tried any any televisits yet? You know, it's tough, man. I, I'm from Louisiana, but I'm in Germany, so it's a little okay. bit of a you know, it, it's a little trickier. You know, I've done help. I've helped family members and stuff. I'm trying to build it, but you know, it's yeah. a little bit difficult when you don't have you don't have a base anymore. It's tougher. I, I totally get it. Yeah, it's it's so you know the, the bullets. though. do you guys have to still hit the bullets? Yeah, you know, you uh, hit like what six going? of the nine or whatever to, okay, to yeah. get an yeah, immediate same level. Thing. Yep. So we have to ask all those questions. If they don't have a form, we have to ask the questions. Or we we like create an electronic form for practices, and then we just send them it ahead of time. They fill it out, and then they have yeah. all the information. So that, just that email works. it to us before your visit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Perfect. and yeah, we all use an EHR anyway. So you just scan that or attach it to their yeah, file. Yeah. You and... just scan it in. Uh huh. Um, and we we actually like what we do at Ortho Lab and Spring Health Lab is we will 
you know, we integrate with the EHR and with the PM systems for the, uh, the practice that we're working with. And so wow. all that info then will stream over and get into the EHR and PM system, which is, which is nice. Then they don't have to do double work and double entry and all that. Y'all have like a list of vendors or major yeah. softwares that y'all use? We have like hundreds and hundreds. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about what we do is like we work with those people that basically integrate everybody, you know, Epic, ah. Cerner, all of it. So they, they have the whole landscape covered and we just like work with them and then they help us, you know, to. They to probably wrote the API to begin with and you just have to tap into their API yeah. and there it goes. That's, that's exactly right. That's how yeah. it works. Is that the, is, that's the jargon word, right? It is. I mean, there's so many of them. You have SDK, you have API, you got JSON and, you know, yeah, all the stuff that before I, before I did, I had no clue about this stuff. You know, I was just, a, just an orthopedic surgeon trying to help my patients. And then you got to learn all that stuff, you know? Yeah, so, like, I want an encrypted video. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not that easy. We need a lot more. You're like, well, can we just start with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, you, you start thinking about, oh, well, this would be great to do. And then, then you realize like what it's going to take. I mean, anybody that's ever started anything, you know how it is. You get in and you're like, you go through this amazing, like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then you realize like, wow, I got wow. a lot of work to do. And maybe uh, I wouldn't have done it if I'd known the first time. <laughs> right? It was a lot, of, a lot of work for sure. But, you know, we're, we're at a good place now. I mean, yeah. it was like being on steroids with this whole, um, you know, coronavirus. It just went through the roof. Uh, during that time period because people needed it, you know, it's how they kept their offices open. So yeah. daily crazy. Yeah. Is it only web or do you, can you use your phones and apps yeah. and all that? You just use your phone and everything too. And just, um, yeah, like phone, um, <clears throat> web, uh, pretty much all, uh, all modes. Um, you can wow. tap into spring health live or ortho live. And that's why it's not free ladies and gentlemen, because every time <laughs> Android and Apple doesn't update, you yeah. get excited and everybody else is upset because the developers now have to pay some person who know a thousand dollars or more to fix the, the program so it works correctly. It's, it's a real pain in the butt to have an app and it. Yeah. Justin, you are, you hit the nail on the head there, man. It's, it's hard. It's hard. You got, you got to cover. And so we're doing like Android, Apple web, you know, you got to cover it all. If you want to yeah. have a good platform, you got to make sure that everybody's taken care of. So. And I'm guessing at some point you're like, I could handle about 200 clients. Yeah. Not 500. Now what do we do? And we need to do it fast. Yeah. How do we set up the servers behind oh. the scenes to probably accommodate all those people? Yeah. We early on, you know, we had like an overload of just patients. I mean, we're, we were seeing, um, you know, thousands of patients a day on the system. And it was, we were getting like up to like the max capacity of our servers. We had to, you know, add server capacity and all this stuff. And I mean, it was, it was a hectic first week when we realized like, oh man, we, we really need to like add bunches and bunches to our servers. And Google was having a, a field day. Google cloud was just, you know, yes, exactly. I'm grabbing money yeah. from the sky. If you can't see that yeah. on the audio <laughs> podcast. Oh man. But this but, is stuff that I don't know if anybody else is interested in this, but I like this part because it's important. I think, you know, you, you try to get involved and put your hands in other businesses besides, you know, the doctor stuff. And yeah. once you start building web pages and do marketing and writing books, you start to realize like there's all this other stuff behind the scenes that people just take for granted when it's just, you know, quote, a little guy like you, yeah. you know, you're not Bill Gates. You're not this mega corporation. It's like, no, it's just a guy that. Yeah. Do something, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, you know how it is. I think you have better insight though in, um, you know, in what's going to help patients, right? Like, so you as a chiropractor, 
you know what's going to work for people and what's going to help, you know, make their lives better. And I think if we could just balance our lives better, because I think the hard part for medical providers is you're, you're always inundated, inundated to the max with patients and questions and, you know, all these things. And, you know, we love that because we love talking to people, we're people, people, you know, persons. And so we love that. But at the same time, if you want to reach more people and you want to help more people, you know, you sometimes have to be the creator. You got to be able to go in and, and create the thing that's going to make things better for people. You know, you didn't invent a computer, but you certainly can make processes and systems better that I think are going to, I mean, ultimately, hopefully help help people. And, uh, you know, that's it. So, Is there such a thing as like a wellness orthopedic surgeon where all day, you know, eventually everybody, everybody looks like a surgical case if that's all you do all day. That's yeah. what some people say. And then, but you're like, man, there's so much you could do nutrition wise. Or like, if you just come in and then if you just do this for like six weeks, you'll yeah. recover faster, yada, yada, yada. Is that something that you even have time for? Do you have to hire like somebody on staff to do that? Like, how does that look like beyond yeah, telehealth? I think, you know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. We as orthopedic surgeons don't do a good enough job of understanding the nutrition side, you know, the psychological side, you know, because this guy's fit, by the way, <laughs> that's the key, right? I mean, <laughs> and good for you for being fit, you know, like, but you like, it helps up here, right? Like it helps the mental game uh, when you exercise or when you're doing, you know, whatever. But, but that part of it is sort of like, cause you know, you see uh, for me, I'm a shoulder specialist. I see a rotator cuff tear and a 45 year old guy or woman, I say, listen, that needs to be fixed. But we don't think about like, okay, you know, it might be good to have some vitamin C to work on improving your collagen to, you know, make sure that you're, uh, you're prehabbing so that you get stronger before your surgery. And a lot of it is, is forgotten about because, you know, you're focused on doing your job, which is to fix that rotator cuff tear. Mm -hmm. We need to do better about that type of thing. And I think, you know, part of it is nutrition, part of it's exercise. And I'm doing some more research on like, I guess like like the the mental side, the grit side, the resiliency side of recovery. Part of what we're working on is like understanding like if you're really a resilient person, you're going to do a lot better with surgery. If you kind of don't feel like you're very resilient, like it might it might be helpful not to have the surgery and do the therapy, you know, and and just avoid that or, you know, you work on that mental strength and then like you're ready for the surgery in like, you know, a month or two. Maybe you have some you know, psychological work that you're doing to, to get better and stronger, you know, I, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was wondering because there are a certain amount of nutritional supplements or, or a program like prehab, like everything you just said. I just didn't know if that's a common thread that's in orthopedic surgeon offices or if it's a new thing where they, you know, maybe they own a PT clinic just because they can make a ton of money on that. Mm -hmm. But do they really, you know, do they believe in it? Or if it's just like, well, no, it's just a natural extension of what we do. We're going to send them out. We might as well send them out to our clinic. So I didn't know if that, how much of that's going on. And I think, I mean, when you're trained, I mean, that's the good thing is like, if you go to a good training program and I think we, as orthos, I think we have decent training across the country, but you're always taught, like, you know, you always start with non-surgical methods, unless it's like a disaster injury, right? And you broke your, broke your tibia or you broke your femur or broke your hip. Like you got to get that fixed. But, but then at a certain point, what we hope doesn't happen is that people get into their practice and they say, Oh, uh, everything looks like a nail when you have a hammer, you know? So you just, right. you want to make sure that you're not, you know, getting engaged in, in doing that type of thing. So I still for rotator cuffs that are partial thickness tears, I'm always doing injection, physical therapy, the, the whole nine yards to see if somebody gets better. If they get better, great. You know, that's, 
that's a win. And it, it doesn't have to be at the, you know, at your hands, like you've done the surgery to make him make him better. So I think that's where the therapy really comes in, you know, bracing and all this stuff, because it all really factors in. But I think a lot of times people get, it happens, like people get misguided, they, they start doing, you know, more than they should. And, and so we always got to kind of come back and be like, you know, focus on what's right for the patient, which is ultimately not having surgery, right? Like we, we, yeah, that's, that's what like, we would think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a last resort thing. Like surgery has gotten a lot safer over the years, but ultimately like you're putting somebody to sleep and there's risks. So I mean, as a patient, I just feel like, Hey, if this surgery can be postponed six weeks without the detriment of my shoulder yep. long-term, let, let's let me, give me the six weeks. Let's yeah. try it out. And if it still sucks, well, surgery. Yeah, still, like, I mean, we tell patients that with back pain all the time. They're like, should I get a surgery? We're like, no. <laughs> you know, almost all the time we're like, no, you should definitely try us yeah. for like a couple of weeks, PT for a couple of weeks. If we don't yeah. worth work, maybe try some extra people because we're not all built the same. And then you can finally have surgery. But it's like, you know, your pain's a four. It's just yeah. I couldn't agree. Right now. I could not agree more. I mean, um, especially with spine surgery too, because I mean, once you have a spine operation, you know, especially like a fusion or something like that, if you're younger, you know, the adjacent levels and things like that can become affected and it's a so, win, not if the second yeah, surgery occurs. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I, I agree with you. And, um, okay. you know, we, we have to remember like, you know, why we went into medicines to help people get better. And, you know, surgery should always be kind of the last resort option. And so I think there's a lot of surgeons that focus on the, the non-operative things. And, and you kind of get a feel for when the non-operative stuff's going to work and when it's not. If somebody's got terrible shoulder arthritis, it's bone on bone. I've found that like physical therapy hasn't been super effective for them. And I tell people that I'm like, look, you know, when you do those exercises, you may help yourself from a stretching standpoint, but the pain's probably going to get worse. So just be aware of that. And I give them the option, you know, but, but shared decision-making is another thing. I'm sure you agree. Like, you know, when you have a decision to make, you know, given to the patient and say, here's your options and, you know, here's the pros, here's the cons, you know, what do you think? That That's helpful. I think. And that's why. I think that's the one thing chiropractors are missing is a full-blown residency type program because, you know, we're not doing surgeries, which is great, you know, in a sense, because it's just one less thing that we have to worry about long-term, but you guys do massive amounts of residency and fellowships. And so you're getting all this advice from people who've been doing it for 30 years so that you don't make these rookie mistakes coming out. You're like, yeah, you're already been, you know what I mean? You've already been, yeah. that's the, obviously the reason why you have it. So you don't do something. Yeah. And. and God, I mean, you know, thank God for my, the people that taught me, you know, I mean, I, I will sit there in, in a surgery and just say, you know, I thank, thank you, Dr. So-and-so for, because, <laughs> you know, you remember all the, the people and, you know, the way they taught you and the, the, the things that, um, you know, they got into trouble with something and, and then, you know, they were able to get out of it. And like that, that type of training, you just don't get, it, like it's the on the job stuff that's really important. Um, yeah. you know, that's just invaluable. And so those, those teachers, the, the people that, you know, we had for residency and they were incredible and then fellowship, you know, so you do an extra year and you kind of get that like Uber specialization and you really, I feel like you get, you get well, well trained. And, and then when you come out, you're, you're feeling comfortable taking care of people. And I, you know, that's important. So with that's gotta be a wild feeling. How many years is, is chiropractic? Is it, um, is it three, it's four, three and a third after uni. So okay. I mean, yeah. So it's kind of like dentistry or, you know, PT, podiatry. Well, I guess not podiatry because they actually are doing some serious surgeries. Right. But uh, yeah. so you're standard three to four years post. And then that's, and you, have, you probably have clinicals and things like that too, right? Yeah. 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 Like your last year is all hands-on people and talking to your doctors or the, uh, 
what do you even call them? I, forget, I don't even remember anymore. The clinicians that, that yeah, 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 that, that yeah. guide you. You know, they you know you get like ten people per person or something. You know, yeah. they they try to teach you what they've known out there in the real world. And hey, right. maybe you don't want to do this when a person has headaches. It might make right. it worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's key. I mean, it's you know the the real world experience is absolutely it's the key, and and I think that's why gray-haired surgeons or surgeons have been around for a while, you know, you tend to just, patients just trust those surgeons a little bit more and really for good reason, because I think when you, you know, first come out, even though you've been trained and you've, you've done all the training, you know, having like the repetition is, is so critical and just anticipation of things that could go wrong. You know, you're not as honed in to that as you could be. And then you get, you know, five years in, you've been through all this stress of like, you know, your initial part and in, in time of practice being a surgeon. And then you start saying, okay, you know, now I know, you know, in, in this particular patient with this, you know, set of anatomy, like I've got to, you know, do this or this differently to, to help make sure that, you know, we avoid any, any issues in surgery. And it's just those little like decision-making things that, you know, you don't get unless you've, you've really done a lot of cases, you've done those fellowships and, and all those things. So well, I, yeah. I think in a seminar, and I was kind of looking around and I was like, man, these kids are kind of young. Seems, you know, yeah. <laughs> they finally asked like, all right, how many people are like in school right now? And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so yeah. many. And it was just, you know, it was based on where the location was. And you could definitely feel it different when they're setting up for an adjustment or something like that. You're like, wow, this is so uncomfortable. Please don't thrust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need your skills they're to easy, get better. Easy. Easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, where's the doctors? Okay. I'm going to go practice yeah. with I'm you gonna, for I'm a while. Go over there with their group. Yeah. yeah, we're yeah. Small we're, groups here. I'm heading over here. Yeah. We're just learning a new technique, but it's not like we're like, <laughs> yeah, I was, you, know, I was, I, you know, could you imagine being the, uh, the people in like the medical school that would volunteer for the physical exams and stuff? I mean, wow, there was, uh, you know, some very, very uncomfortable uh, times, I think, you know, where you're like, wow, that, you know, that part of the physical plan did not go well for that particular student, you know, <laughs> and people and you're just like, wow, that poor patient, you know, yeah. so oh, it's, it's unreal, but. Well, to wrap things up, because uh, in this podcast, we just like to cover a couple simple questions. How are you able to keep the love alive? And the second piece of this is always doctors. We have trouble taking vacation. So how are you able to keep the love alive and actually take a, a take, step away from work from time yeah, to time? That's, it's a great, great question. I mean, I think, first of all, my wife uh, is involved in medicine. And so she, she knows like, you know, sometimes that there's, there's long hours and, and all of that. But one of the keys for me, I think is, you know, when I, I, I set my time up so that like, nothing sort of interrupts kind of like my, my dinner time kind of with my family. So like we have a set time that we're all going to sit down and we try to get together. And that's, that's key um, for, for me is just making sure we carve out time. And so I really, really try to just shut out everything, put my phone down, do that and, and make sure that, you know, we spend time together. It's hard. Uh, like, you know, today I got done a little early, you know, I, I was able to like take my son out and we did some stuff together. You know, sometimes like your, your wife, like, especially in, if they're not involved in medicine, it's, it's hard, your significant other, it's, it's hard on them because they don't understand the stresses that you're going through and things. But I think just making sure that you, um, you come home and you try to put all that stuff aside, you know, and you, you just, um, you listen and, and just, you know, try to be there for them too. It's, 
I think that's key. And then occasionally they, they'll ask you how your day went and you can, you can tell them about <laughs> how it was and, and the challenges you faced or whatever. But yeah, just, just trying to block it all out and just focusing on your family and taking it one it's day. It's emotionally time. draining at the end of the day. Yeah. Just don't oh, have a lot left. Some yeah, days. That's hard, right? Because you know, you give everything you have to your patients. That's, that's what we do. If you're a good, good doctor, good chiropractor, a good physical therapist, whatever, a nurse, you know, you're given everything you can. You, you, um, you know, you I mean, listen. If you have a bad surgery, someone could die. Y'all yeah. got to deal with that and figure out how do you wrestle with those feelings. Yeah. When, and we're like, oh, man, they didn't get better. They, they still have headaches. <laughs> You're like, oh, darn, we didn't get them better. Yeah. Like, no, like they could yeah. literally like not be able to use their shoulder. You know, you know, it's, it's not your fault. It's just what it is. Uh, it's a- true. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not a heart surgeon and I'm not a brain surgeon. And, you know, I, I don't have the life and death things happen every day. Right. But, you know, you're right. Like, you know, but it's when you bring it home, I think that's, that makes it hard on your mm-hmm. spouse. You gotta, you know, you always have to, I think, remember that no matter how much you give to your patients, you gotta save a little something for your family, because if you don't, it, it makes your, your heart colder. And so we, it's not your kid's fault. You're grumpy. <laughs> you know, they're just being kids and you're the one that's got all this bad attitude because they're doing yeah. something that you don't want them to do. It's like, calm down. Right. And, and it's true. I mean, part of it is like understanding the fact that when, when patients are constantly like feeding the, um, the difficult like pains that they have and everything on you all day, you have to maintain a positive like attitude. You know, sometimes as a surgeon, I have to deal with complications and that makes you feel, you know, worse, but ultimately it's, it's, you know, you got to find that joy in your heart somehow. You got to yeah. maintain it, whether it's, um, you know, religion, you know, some spirituality or something like that, or, or just knowing that, you know, you did your very best, you know, and that's what I tell my fellows and my residents is like, look, at the end of the day, if you gave your best effort and you did the very best that you could for that particular patient, then you should be proud of yourself and you can go home and hug your kids and kiss your wife or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard. It's hard, but yeah, that's, that's my take on it. Well, that's actually a pretty fresh perspective uh, for that answer. So that's, yeah, cool. for that question. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah, like the thanks. insight today. Yeah, thank so. you. Oh, what's the webpages? Oh, uh, www.ortholive.com. And www.springhealthlive.com. And before we go, what's the difference? So Spring Health Live, <laughs> Spring Health Live is, uh, we never really covered that. Yeah, what's the difference? Uh, I figured they were like, yeah. one was for practitioners and one was for like surgeons. Yeah, no, that, that's true. So, so Ortho Live is really for orthopedics, for physical therapists, chiropractors, people in that kind of uh, musculoskeletal health realm. Right. And then uh, Spring Health Live was really sort of for general medicine you know, neurology, pretty much an agnostic platform for everybody that might, you know, need telemedicine. We, we decided to kind of perfect it, what we were doing inside of orthopedics. And then we did Spring Health Live to help everybody else that needed a, a good, efficient platform. Well, I know we probably appreciate that because I know whenever we do EHR, we're looking at it and they're like, well, this is for medical doctors. And then they have like a platform that they built in for chiropractic or dermatology or whatever. And we're happy because we don't need yeah. all those other diagnosis codes. They just kind of package it for us. And we're like, thank you. <laughs> so Yeah, that's good. That's really good, man. All right. Well, that's it. I really appreciate your time and uh, just being able to share thank what you've you done. Guys. And hopefully you'll get some clients out of this. No, no, yeah, I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. 
Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no-needle acupuncture book for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin, at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's uh, affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan, let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc., reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's perspective. Learn stories of success. Avoid struggles they've met. Doctors of all kinds come together to help you shine. So sit back. Take